Up to this point, we have tried to keep Revelation as simple as possible. What a way to start, huh? We are going to throw a few wrenches into the mix here tonight. Um, we know chapter 6 was the seals. Chapter 7, we saw a parenthetical um, ceiling of the 144,000. And when I say parenthetical, it is exactly like what we see in Genesis 1 and 2. Now, in Genesis 1, people say this all the time, that there's two creation accounts. Because you read in Genesis 1, and it is orderly chronological. But when you get to chapter 2, things are out of order. And so some people will say, see, you can't really take Genesis literally because chapter 2 doesn't line up with chapter 1. Well, they don't understand how Hebrew uh, writing is. And the exact same thing we're seeing in Genesis is what we see here in Revelation as well. And what Genesis chapter 2 does is chapter 1 is a chronological creation account. Chapter 2 isn't about creation. It is about how creation applies to man. It's really about Adam and Eve is what chapter 2 is about. And likewise, we're going to see then that... After chapter 2 is done, it goes to chapter 3, and it, now it starts talking about the fall. And we get back to kind of a chronological thing. But it's just like you're telling a story, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, let me tell you about these details. And you kind of start talking about it, and then you jump back into the chronological part of your story. Well, that's what we have seen already with the seals. After the sixth seal, we saw a parenthetical uh, chapter 7. Now then, we've gone through the six trumpets, and there's a parenthetical chapter 10 and part of chapter 11. And then you'll get back to the chronology. So, the end of what we saw here uh, in chapter 7 for the seals and so on, the end of it is going to indicate that these things are coming I'm going to say probably, during the events that you just read about. So our parenthetical chapter 10, I think, is probably being put into somewhere in those six trumpets. Somewhere. I won't be able to tell you when. But it seems to be that that's the case. Just like with chapter 6, or the, the seals, after the seals, the parenthetical aspect was taking place somewhere during those six seals. When we get done with chapter 11, chapters 12 on seems to be where we're going to have to figure out where does chapter 12 go? Is it in the trumpets? Is it in the seals? Where is that? Chapters 16, 17, and 18, when we're getting into Babylon, where, when is that happening? And is, is it in the trumpets? Is it in the vials? It's unclear on some of those things. So we'll, we'll kind of dissect that when we get there, but just kind of setting you up for it for now. Um, what's interesting, though, is the end of chapter 6, just kind of looking back, would, as I said, indicate that these are those that come out of the tribulation, so that the tribulation period would be in the six seals. That's where I lean. We've kind of talked about that before, but I want to try and keep order here. 
that the tribulation period is in the seals, but when we get to the trumpets, I'm not convinced that that's the tribulation period, but I'm not 100% that I'm right on that. That maybe the tribulation period is somewhere in those six seals, but also extends into the first few trumpets. I don't know. There, every time I think, oh, this definitely puts it into the seals, then there's something that throws a wrench in there that makes me go, oh, but that doesn't fit. And so we'll kind of discuss those things as we go. But it seems that this tribulation period is a seven-year period. We'll talk about why that is. It primarily comes from Daniel. Um, however, it's possible that it's longer than a seven-year period. Okay, maybe, just maybe, the seven-year period of that tribulation is only the seals, and then there's another seven years for the trumpets. Or maybe the trumpets is a ten-year period. Or maybe the seven years for the seals and the trump. I don't know. But what you're going to see coming up shortly is that you're going to see three and a half years be expressed in a number of different ways. 1,260 days. 42 months, a time, times, and half a time. So it's expressed in all these different ways, and the question is why? Does that all apply to the exact same period of history, or are these separate periods that are the same basic amount of time? We often say that 1,260 days, that's about as precise as you can get, but if you say 42 months, the general idea is, well, a Jewish month is 30 days long. So if you take that amount of time, you get the same, you know, 42 months times your 30 days, you get your 1,260 days. However, that might be oversimplifying things because... A Jewish day wasn't always, a month wasn't always 30 uh, days. Because, especially in that time period, they, they would oftentimes have an extra month that they had to add on to account, just like what we do for a leap year. Because the calendar would get off. And so maybe that's why, that yeah, there will be a 42-month a period here, but it's a different time period than the 1,260 days over here. I don't know. These are all questions that I can't answer. There are possibilities, and it does muddy the water. But we're going to do our best to kind of put everything together. I just know that I am not going to be dogmatic on any of this because there's too many wrenches that are out there that may mess things up. Um, here is just a little graph that kind of shows you some people believe that the seals and the trumpets that we have talked about already are the same thing. I do not agree with that. First of all, like in one of them, you see a third of the earth. and the next one, you're going to see all of the earth and all of these kind of things. But what you can kind of see is the seals, the trumpets, and the vials here. There's an earthquake, an earthquake, an earthquake. Uh, we see mountains uh, are moved here in the seals as well as in the vials. 
There's talking about the great day of his wrath has come at the end of the seals here. Then the trumpets, the wrath has come. <coughs> Excuse me, in the vials, the wrath has come. To me, that makes sense because it's not until the seals are over, the sixth seal, that he says, now the time for his wrath really has come. And as I mentioned before, I think that the seals are man's wrath, the devil's wrath on us, but the trumpets and the vials are God's wrath on the world. And so that is different there. But you can see that there are similarities. At uh, When you look at the seventh trumpet, you're going to see at the end of it, lightning, voices, and thunderings. So the same thing at the end of the vials. Um, hail on both the trumpet and the vials. There's a lot of similarities, but I think they are different. And Matthew 24, we talked about the seals, how the seals in Matthew 24 line up perfectly. So I'm not going to go through all of this very much. I just want you to kind of see that there, this is why it's hard to decipher and understand some of these things and why people say it's the exact same thing because as soon as you see hail in one place and you see hail over here, you go, oh, it's the same event. Not necessarily. I think that what we have been talking about for the last few years is God is repetitive, cyclical in his judgments. Because we know that the hail, the, the, the plagues that we saw in Egypt, matched up exactly with the plagues that we see at the trumpets, but those are two separate events. God kind of recycles his judgments. Throughout the Old Testament, every time that he would bring judgment upon Israel, he will talk about, I'm going to bring my three great judgments, sword, famine, and plague. And so when there is famine going on in our world today, you have to ask yourself, is this a sign of God's judgment? Is this God trying to wake up his people? And so these are different events, but they have similarities. But that is because of the way God works. Now, Another thing is, uh, just to kind of show you in this sense, the same type of thing that I'm talking about. In Revelation 14 and in Revelation 18, we see Babylon is fallen. Are we talking about the same event here? In this case, I think quite possibly we are. Reason being is because we're going to get out of the trumpets. I feel that everything is fairly chronological all the way through chapter 11. Once you get to chapter 12, that all changes. And so, as I said, we're going to have to see how are these things punched in. So, 14 and 18 might be talking about the same events because Babylon has fallen. Might. We also see that in chapter 6, verse 12, 8, 5... 11.13, 11.19, and 16.18, um, there is dark, well, I'm sorry, those are earthquakes there. So, are these the same events? Well, I would say chapter 6 and chapter 8 are separate events. Probably chapter 11 is one of the events in chapter 8 and 6, maybe. But chapter 16 is a separate event, or an event, I should say, that also is punched in in one of those places. So not all of them have to be different. There are two times of darkness in chapter 6 and in 16. I think those are two separate events, but possibly chapter 16 could be referring to the seal judgments 
or what's going on there in chapter 6. I don't know. These are things we have to try and find out. So you kind of get the idea the mountains and islands are both removed in chapter 6 and in chapter 16. Um, God's wrath being poured out, we see uh, a number of times here. But anyway, just to kind of show you what you're into or in for is that things are going to get a little bit muddier and it's so important then that you have a basic grasp of what's going on in the seals and the trumpets. And that's why I have this sheet for you because when you can see them then, you can kind of get this in your mind in order to go through and be able to say, okay, yeah, all right, I got that, the Antichrist, then we see war, then we see famine, and then we see persecution, and you're going to be able to tie things in a little better if you kind of follow that outline and try and work it in your head so that you're not having to figure that out every time you come. If you can just do that, that will be helpful. Okay? Now, with that said, let's get started here. Just to explain, too, where do we get this seven-year period that we always talk about, a seven-year tribulation? As I said, it comes from Daniel, chapter 9, verses 25 through 27, primarily. And we see Daniel 70 weeks. And there would be 62 weeks, then there's seven weeks, and then there's this final week. That final week is typically viewed as the time of Jacob's trouble, the seven-year tribulation, uh, all of those type of things. Now, it says how in the midst of the seven, so in the middle of that last seven, so that's where we get a three and a half. Everybody thinks, well, in the midst of the seven has to be that seven-year tribulation period that in the middle of the seven, we're going to see the Antichrist breaking a deal, a covenant that he makes. I think that stands to reason. The question, however, is can you apply that seven to the seals, to the trumpets, to both of them together, to the 42 months, to the 1,260 days, the times, times and half? Is it all the same or is it not? I don't know. Just like in the rest of the book of Revelation, it's not always the same. Likewise, this three and a half period may not be the same. We'll do our best to figure that out. Well, chapter 8 and 9, we saw the seals in chapter 6, and then we saw in chapter 7 every, the, the sealing of the 144,000 and then a bunch of people in heaven. Then in chapter 8 and 9, we went to the trumpets. And then after the trumpets, the sixth trumpet, you have a commercial break. After the sixth seal, there's a commercial break. After the sixth trumpet, there's a commercial break. That is where we are beginning here now in chapter 10 and part of 11. So, in chapter 11, we're going to get to the two witnesses. This is, we won't get there tonight. But, since it is parenthetical to the trumpets that we've talked about, that may indicate, possibly, that the two witnesses are going to come sometime during these trumpet judgments. Possibly. Don't know again. In chapter 7, however, it said we saw 
when the 144,000 are sealed, then you saw all these people, you know, before the throne of God. And it says, who are these people? And he said, these are they who came out of the great tribulation. So it almost seems like the tribulation is done during the seals. And therefore, now your parenthetical aspect is look at all these people that came out of these, this tribulation period. Then you get to your trumpets and the two witnesses, which may mean that the two witnesses are not there during the seven-year tribulation. I don't know if that's making any sense or not, but these are just ideas. Um, I guess what I'm saying is we're not going to be able to be sure, but for now, let's take it at face value that we've had the six seals, chapter 7 is taking place during those seals. Then you have chapter 8 and 9 of the trumpets, and chapter 10 and 11 are taking place during the trumpets. For now, we will just kind of assume that. Okay. With that said, we're ready to begin. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven. Notice that coming down from heaven clothed with the cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. So, in our commercial break, our little interlude, our parenthetical spot here between the sixth and seventh trumpet, this is what we're seeing. Our attention is now turned towards heaven rather than all these evil things taking place on earth. And John sees this angel that I think can be none other than Jesus Christ. One of the reasons is, if you recall back in chapter 1, when we were seeing a description of the judge who was going to take his throne, it's the same thing. He's robed in a cloud. He has a face like the sun, legs like fiery pillars, a rainbow above his head. All of these descriptions were in chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, as well as chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. There are those who are going to tell you this is not Jesus. It doesn't necessarily have to be Jesus. It can be another angel. And the main reason being is coming up here how he's going to receive glory and swear by heaven and earth. And you go, why would he swear by heaven and earth? I will get to that later, and I'm going to show you that I think that is a moot point. That actually may even support that this is Jesus. Okay? He's holding an open scroll here in his hand. In chapter 5, verses 5 through 9, we saw Christ was given a scroll, and we talked about that being a deed to the earth. That scroll was sealed, and nobody could open it up but the Lamb. And then immediately after that, we see seals being opened. It seems that that scroll had the seal judgments on it. And now we see here this little book, this little scroll, and it's open. Why? We've already opened the six seals. It seems to make sense. Just taking it in chronological order there. Now, I also have here um, in Psalm 110, 
The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. I underline that word until. In other words, until now. Christ has been reigning at the right hand of God, just as what we saw Stephen in Acts chapter 7. He looked up and he says, I see basically Jesus sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. But the time has come now when all the enemies of Christ have been put down. And so he says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand, but only until I make your enemies a footstool. What has he been doing through these trumpet judgments? I mean, if that doesn't make your enemy a footstool, I don't know what does. These were awful things that we saw in the trumpet judgments. And so now, here's this mighty angel, not sitting up in heaven at the throne anymore, but he's coming down. Because it's time. And you're going to see as we continue through these trumpets, I think it, this is it. It's time. The only thing left after this trumpet judgment is going to be the vials that are going to literally destroy the earth so that there will be a new heaven and a new earth that will be formed. But it's all over at the seventh trumpet. So once you get done with chapter 11 and the seventh trumpet, chapter 12 on, we've got to figure out where does that go in everything we've talked about. Um, what we see, though, is he sets his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. So you picture this big angel coming down, looking like what we saw a description of God earlier, claiming the earth and the sea and the deed to the earth. He's holding it in his hands. He's coming to take ownership. Just like we were talking last week in some of the parables. Jesus, he sends these servants to take care of his vineyard. What's he going to do to these people who you know, reject all of those people he sends? Well, he's going to come back to his vineyard. And I think that's what's happening here. He's coming down claiming ownership. And just to be a little bit nitpicky here, where it says that uh, his, his left foot on the land, his right foot, uh, no, 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 not there. The feet like pillars of fire in verse 1. It's not just the feet, but it's the legs. The Hebrew connection to that in from the Greek, um, it's, it's both the, the leg, like your calf area, and the foot itself. There's a separate word just for foot. But here it seems to be that whole area. So just to be a little nitpicky, but I think it probably lines up a little bit more with maybe Daniel too. But anyway, does it? And that's a better translation on that. So um, let's look at Matthew 22 as it talks about the harvest of the earth. It says in verse 33, Christ told us the parable here of the tenants the owner of the vineyard that I was just telling you about, how God had gone away. And then as the harvest approached, notice the harvest wasn't, it wasn't time to harvest, but we're getting ready to harvest. He sent some servants to gather the fruit. The servants 
however, the servants the owner had left in charge of the vineyard, which would be the Jews and the people of the earth, killed the servants he sent to collect the rent, meaning the prophets and any Christians trying to spread the word. He sent more servants, but they too were killed. Okay, so all the prophets of old. Finally, the owner sent his son, Yeshua, but they killed him as well, as the parable goes. Christ ended the parable asking, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? The answer he receives is, quote, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end. They replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him a share of the crop at harvest time. I think that is exactly what is going on here in chapter 10. He is coming back and he's going to bring those wretches to a wretched end. And then he is going to give the vineyard to those that will produce a harvest for a thousand years. So it makes this parable a little more understandable or it makes Revelation 10 more understandable perhaps. In Matthew 21, verses 43 through 45, it states, Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parable, they knew he was talking about them. Now, it should be noted that this parable, I think, also pointed to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., but again, as we've talked about many times, this is a dual fulfillment. 70 A.D. did not fulfill Revelation. 70 A.D. was a pattern of Revelation. Now, the other thing to remember, Revelation, I don't believe, was written until 96 A.D., 26 years after Jerusalem already fell. Therefore, Jesus' statements can apply to 70 A.D., but Revelation cannot apply to 70 A.D. So keep that in mind too. Anyway, verse 3 of chapter 10 here says that this angel who puts his foot on the land and the sea cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now notice we're seeing these seven thunders. We've already heard six um, uh, thunders in a sense when we, we got the seal judgments and then the next one's here so it says these seven trumpets in Hosea 11 1 it says they will follow the Lord he will roar like a lion when he roars his children will come trembling from the west it seems in Hosea anyway to be saying that when the Lord roars and comes for judgment. His children are going to be brought together. Joel says the Lord will roar from Zion, that's Jerusalem, and thunder from Jerusalem. The earth and the sky will tremble, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. What we saw before the first trumpet judgment was that thing at the end of the seals where the 144,000 were sealed and then there was this whole 
group of people that came out of the tribulation that are at Jerusalem, at Zion. And we talked about God as a hoopah for them, a protection. That sounds exactly like what Joel says here in chapter 3. The Lord will roar from Zion. He's going to thunder from Jerusalem. The earth and the sky are trembling. That's what we saw in the trumpets. But the Lord is a refuge, a hoopah for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. We're Western Christianity today. Yeah. And so this crying with a loud voice as when a lion roars, it does seem that there's connections biblically to say that when the Lord's coming back, he's going to roar like a lion. And then when we see in the Old Testament, it, this is all about judgment. And the next thing you're going to see is the earth being destroyed when we have the vile judgments. Verse 4, Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. It's like, doggone it, we were so close. Daniel was told to seal up what he saw in the seals, and it seems like we got to see that here, what Daniel saw in Revelation. Now, we see the seven thunders that John gets to hear, and we don't get to hear that. So there's still a mystery yet to be in the future. Leaves us hanging here. Psalms here may be a clue. I kind of doubt it, but it might be a clue indicating that at least, anyway, that the seven thunders are God's voice. Because it talks about the voice of the Lord here in Psalm 29. I'm not going to read it all, but you can see there are seven thunders. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. And then there are seven things, I should say, that it does. The voice of the Lord is powerful. It's majestic. It breaks the cedars and so on, and it goes on. So you can see that there are kind of seven things that you can divide that up into. So some will attach this to the seven thunders to say that this is God's voice. I don't know, but possibly. Uh, in verse 5, The angel who I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are in it. This is the one thing that I've heard many a pastor say, this shows that this cannot be God. This angel can't be Jesus because, look, he's swearing by him who lives forever and ever. He's swear Why would he swear by himself? Exactly, because that's what Scripture tells us exactly. Hebrews 6.13 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. If anything, that makes it sound even more like this is God. Because he swore basically by himself. Because there's no one greater to swear by. Hebrews 6.13 says that. And it says that there should be a, a delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel... When he is about to sound that seventh trumpet, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servant, the prophets. Notice a couple of things here. 
you don't have to wonder if Revelation is like this brand new book here. Just like I was telling you before about what a sermon that must have been on the road to Emmaus when Jesus is declaring himself from the law and the prophets. Revelation is saying, you guys already ought to know about these seven thunders a little bit because the prophets have already declared this. This isn't new. The mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. <clears throat> this has already been declared earlier. Daniel 12.1 says, At that time Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. I think that's the seals because Matthew 24 says that. And Matthew 24 and the seals line up perfectly. But at that time, your people everywhere whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. While there's going to be judgment, God is going to roar from Zion. There's going to be punishment being dealt out to the world. God's people don't have to fret. You don't have to fear. Because you are protected. And I'm not talking about being raptured out. I'm talking about simply being protected. Even if it is in persecution, you will be protected. You, God, God's grace is going to be there. So, um, there is going to be a delay no longer. That is important because it's kind of like what Jesus said on the cross. It's finished. That part's over. When you get the seventh trumpet blowing, it's over. The mystery, all of the things you have hoped for and wondered for, for the most part, are going to have been accomplished. The only thing left to do after that seventh trumpet blows is destroy the earth and the heavens and make new ones. And I have a feeling that's going to be boom. Very quick. But that's going to finish it out. When we get to that seventh trumpet in chapter 11, you'll see that. And it all fits perfectly with what he is saying here. It fits perfectly with 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Thessalonians 4, which says at the sound of the last trumpet, we're going to be caught up and meet the Lord in the air. Our bodies will be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of the eye. That's the seventh trumpet. It's over. There's no more delay. It's done. Now, earlier, the saints were told to be patient and wait for other martyrs to die as they had. I think that was in chapter 5, when they were before the throne of God. That time, wait, be patient a little longer, it's over. When you get to this point, it's over. You've been patient long enough. I'm going to bring an end to it. So, uh, let's see if there's anything else in here. I think that's pretty much it. So, question. Yeah. If that is Christ, <coughs> and he puts his left foot on the sea, and his right foot, or left foot on land, right foot on the sea, and he's supposed to put his foot down on the Mount of Olives, that puts him facing south. And okay. if 
His people are coming from the west. They're coming to his right hand, which is the hand of salvation or deliverance, correct? Yes, and always. And the hand is the hand of judgment? Usually, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. A yeah, very interesting so, connection there. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. seems the line Yeah, and when he's facing south, he is actually facing Zion, Mount Zion then. Right. So, yeah, good, good addition. I need to talk a little bit about this mystery of God being finished, as he declared to his prophets. Um, going back to Daniel twelve seven, it says, The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and I heard him swear by him who lives forever. Sound familiar? Sounds just like what we're reading here in Revelation 10, saying, It will be for a time, times and half a time, when the power of the holy people has been finally broken. All these things will be completed. So here we're seeing a time, times and half a time seemingly being connected to this parenthetical chapter that's supposed to take place in the trumpets just before the seventh trumpet blows. Interestingly, in chapter 11, you're going to see that the two witnesses are going to bring plague and judgment for 42 months, which is, if they are the same thing, the same amount of time. So Daniel here, I would say you're reading Revelation 10. So somehow, I think at least a three and a half year period is attached to these trumpets. As I was explaining before, does that mean perhaps that the other three and a half is attached to the seals? I don't know. Maybe even half of the seals. I can't figure that out because it does seem like the seals is the tribulation and the tribulation is usually assigned a three and a half year period. Well, this doesn't seem to be the period of the tribulation. This is the period of God's wrath. So maybe, as I said earlier, time times and half a time is different than the 42 months. Two separate three and a half year periods. Or middle of seven year periods perhaps I don't know these are all things I mean believe me I spent hours trying to organize this and every time I run into a wall well that fits I, I think I got it and then nope there's something that doesn't quite fit with it yet I can't make sense of it all I know is here he's saying that at this time when the seventh trumpet is about to blow everything is finished Daniel says all these things will be completed at the end of three and a half year period. So there is, when the seventh trumpet blows, that's at the end of a three and a half year period. I think we can be safe to say that, and that's as far as I can say for sure. As well, interestingly here in Daniel, the angel swore by you know, God as well, just like what we saw in Revelation. Um, I think as well this is showing that God has the right to do what he's about to do 
that he has the authority to judge his creation. He's the creator of the earth. He can swear by no greater. I have the authority. It's mine to do with what I want. It's like what Romans says. Who are you to talk back to God? Who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to he who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and others for common use? Where is creation? We, we don't have the right to talk back to him. He can do what he wants. Now, I can tell you this. Whatever he does will be just and loving and right. But anyway, if this is the three and a half year period, which Daniel seems to be saying it is here in Revelation chapter 10, that this is the second half of the three and a half year period. Almost always in any study you read in Revelation, they will attach that to the time of the tribulation. That just doesn't make sense to me because we already saw that in the sealed judgments. We saw that in chapter 7. Who are these? They're those who have come out of the tribulation. And I am convinced that the seals and the trumpets are not the same thing. So, there is something strange about this time period, this three and a half years. And I think that the answer lies in the fact that it's stated in different ways. It isn't always 1,260 days. Yet it's not always 42 months. But instead, there's really three different ways of saying it. Time, times, and half a time, 42 months, and then down to the specific days. Because Daniel will say, how the, from the abomination that causes desolation, he says, from the time that the sacrifice is abolished to the abomination that causes desolation will be 1,260 days. Blessed is he who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,290 days. That's Daniel. There's a 35-day period from the time the sacrifice is abolished and the abomination is set up there's an extra 35 day period in there it's not all out the window it's just what what is that I don't I think it's still a mystery I think God wants it to be a mystery at this point I just think that we as a Western church have made this so simple that every time you hear about seven years, we attach it to simply the tribulation period. Boom, there it is. It, it's as simple as a seven-year period, and you've got three and a half years of eh, not so bad and three and a half years of hell on earth. And we call it good. I don't think it's quite that simple. I don't know. I don't have any answer. I wish I could tell you what it was, but I don't think it's as simple as we've made it is what I'm saying. And this kind of supports that. Matthew 24, verse 30 through 31 says, at, the at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Matthew 24, we were saying it matches the seals perfectly. What we see is that the, after the sixth seal, the sun and moon are darkened. The next thing is this. At that time, when the sun and moon are darkened, the sign of the Son of Man appears in heaven. He's coming in the clouds. Now, the reason I put that down is because 
He is coming down. Remember what Revelation 10, I said, note that He's coming down. And He is in the clouds. Is this the same thing we're reading in Revelation 10? Or, as some say, He's coming on the clouds, but He's not putting His feet on the earth yet. So, if Matthew 24 are the seals and only the seals leading up to the beginning of the trumpets, we saw the Lord coming in the clouds in chapter 6 and 7. We're taken to Jerusalem. The Lord roars from Zion, punishes those outside while he is a shelter and protects the people in Israel, in Jerusalem. But somehow, he hasn't really come back back until chapter 10 after the trumpets. Now he comes and puts his feet on the ground. The boots are on the ground at that point. So, and his angels are coming with a loud trumpet to gather his elect. Could as well be, well, we're just kind of including the trumpets here now. Because... Here it's a singular trumpet call, but yet there are seven trumpets. And it's the seventh trumpet, though, which would also be singular. When 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Thessalonians 4 says we're supposed to meet him in the air. So you can see, like I said, I was going to muddy the waters a lot tonight. 1 Thessalonians 4 here, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. That's what it says in, Re- in Revelation 10. With a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and the, with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. I think this is the seventh trumpet talked about in Thessalonians and in 1 Corinthians 15. And the Lord is coming down and the dead rise. That's as much as I know for sure. Because of Thessalonians here, though, we might have one more little detail. Is it possible that the angel that blows this trumpet, it might be Gabriel or Michael? Because it says, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel. At least scripturally, we know Gabriel and Michael are the two scriptural archangels mentioned. So, this mystery of God would be finished. Let's look at that again because what is this mystery? Scripturally speaking, it seems to be a couple of things. One, just the Lord's return, just Jesus himself, and two, Ultimately, the Gentiles being welcomed into the church. That God has opened up so that all Israel would be saved, you might say. I have here, one must wonder if the whole span of time as we know it has had the purpose of luring Satan into his final and eternal doom. Only through this mysterious plan of Christ did God make man... John 1.1, 1, 1, Jesus did that. C, 
sealing Satan's doom eternally and welcoming all believers into heaven. What I mean by that is this mystery. It seemed like from creation he had this mystery that was in his mind. And now the mystery is finally accomplished. Let's look at what Ephesians says about this mystery. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations that has been now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promises in Christ Jesus. So here's a mystery explained. The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Uh, yes, yep. Romans 16 says, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel in the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. Notice the same kind of language that's being used. A mystery that's revealed by what? By the prophets. That's what Revelation was saying. This was supposed to be, the mystery was made known by the prophets. Saying the same thing. So that all nations might believe and obey Him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. How about, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles comes in. This mystery always is going back to Gentiles being able to be saved. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure and he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Again, this mystery is that all Gentiles and Israel, there's no separate covenant. I'm so tired of hearing that. It's the same covenant for both of us. Actually, we are grafted into their covenant. And he is bringing us up under this one covenant, one gospel, at the end of times. Just like it said there in Romans, I don't want you to be ignorant, Israel has experienced a hardening in part, but only until the end. In the end, the mystery is going to be made complete. And the Jew and the Gentile are going to be one again. The stick of Ephraim and the stick of Judah are going to become one in God's hands. So this mystery is repeated many times in scripture this is not new to revelation and so we don't have to wonder what it is he made known the mystery in the new testament but the mystery is finally completed in revelation chapter 10 well in the days the seven thunder is about to thunder 
that's when it will be finally completed. That is what Corinthians and Thessalonians said. Wow, when the seventh trumpet blows in a flash and a twinkling of an eye, we're all one again, folks. No more division anymore. So, the seventh trumpet cannot blow until the full number of Gentiles comes in. So, kind of an important part, I think, there. You may have, you know, heard that message as well, uh, where the scripture says that the Lord can't come back until the gospel has been preached to the whole world. That ties into this as well. So, anyway. I know that this is a little bit more of a confusing evening. I would like to think it's more confusing than previous ones. <laughs> but there is, there's just so many things that are unknown. Like I said, to keep it simple, go ahead and just think chronologically for now. Seals, you know, churches, seals, trumpets, and you're going to have vials. I think there is chronology to that. But when we get into the rest of it, trying to figure out where it goes is a little bit more difficult. I just can't figure out that three and a half year period. If it's one or more than one, uh, the same thing. And if you guys come up with something, you can let me know. But process that and think about it. All that I know for sure is that what went on here in chapter 10 to review is after the sixth trumpet blows, our commercial break, it goes back to heaven, and we're seeing the Lord coming back with the deed to the earth, claiming ownership, standing on heaven and, and earth, or the sea and the earth, and he is declaring uh, the seventh trumpet is about to blow, and when it does... The mystery is complete. It is finished. All of what God's plan, our plans, everything will come to fruition. And so when we get to chapter 11, that's what we get to see is the seventh trumpet blowing. The seventh trumpet will issue in the vials, but... All the vials are is a destruction of the earth forever. I mean, not a partial, but a complete destruction. Yep, yep. So, the rest of chapter 10, which we're not going to talk about tonight, you're going to see he takes the scroll that he had, and he's going to make John eat it. It's going to become bitter in his stomach, but sweet to the taste. We'll talk about that later. But it's just basically the message, the message on the scroll. It's a bittersweet and that's pretty much all you're going to see until, you know, the seventh trumpet then. And the seventh trumpet, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say until chapter 11. In chapter 11, you're also going to see the, uh, the two witnesses then. And that, I think, is going to be fascinating. Uh, I think we'll be able to make sense of it. I just can't tell you where do those two witnesses go. Where in those seven trumpets? Where in those seven seal? I, that's what I can't make sense of. But you'll make sense of the rest of it. We'll get some good ideas, and we might be right on some of them, but I'm not going to be dogmatic on much. So, All right, we'll close in prayer.